From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right, as everyone is joining us and coming into the room, uh, thank you for joining us on our day three of Screen by Screen, our first annual music and tech conference online. Um, I always try to start our days uh, with our thank you to our Indigenous roots and background. Um, I'm in Toronto, we host in Toronto, but wherever you are, we encourage you to also connect with your Indigenous backgrounds. Um, we would like to acknowledge that the land that we gather on is the traditional territory of the Wendat, Anishinaabeg, the Haudenosaunee, the Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Also, uh, we have to thank the people that help support us. Uh, we were very fortunate last year to have our sponsors come on board, um, and we are able to do that because of their help. So we must thank Slate Music, CD Baby, Actorax, CMRRA, Bandzoogle, City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, and SEMA. And last but not least, Lyric Find and Robert Singerman, who's presenting this panel. So with that said, I'm going to send it over to Robert, and I will let you take it away. Thanks very much, Daryl. The Indigenous people in Manhattan were actually called the Lenny Lenape. There's a lot of uh, stories uh, about Manhattan being sold for $24 worth of trinkets and things like that, that are myths basically. And those trinkets actually saved a lot of people's lives and the indigenous people didn't believe in land ownership. So they thought they were basically getting support from the Dutch people who were there. Uh, uh, and there's other great stories I can tell too, but that's a tradition that I learned actually in Australia and now in Canada, it's uh, an important tradition, I think, to honor the ancestors um, and everybody who's gone before and honor our music community. I see friends here, the Quinn Gate, you know, Peter, honor our music community, which and the people who've gone before us. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for my friends, Jordy and Anna, uh, Jordy from Unison, Anna from Sonatrust. Trust. But um, I'm gonna give a little, story first and most well, a lot of people here know me i've had the uh, ability to uh, connect with many of the people on the zoom although i don't know who's on the hoover um <clears throat> but um you know my mission in the music business started you know decades ago uh, uh but with lyrics specifically was really when i was a kid listening to albums growing up and reading the liner notes and reading the credits including music from around the world. I was lucky my parents had a great record collection uh, and learning songs was kind of like learning to read and learning about life at the same time, follow the bouncing ball. Uh, Dick and other people remember uh, Betty Boop, uh, you know. It's, uh, so lyrics are really important to me. Um, they've been, a, my name is Singerman, but I can't really sing, but we did anyway as, a, as kids and, you know, folk songs and union songs and whatever. Um, uh, songs about life. Um, so, so lyrics are important to me, like they are, I believe, to all of you. I see a lot of songwriters on here too. Um, and we, we make, you know, we've chosen to make music our life other than our family life, our professional life, uh, which I think is kind of a sacred honor in a way uh, and a pleasure as well. Um, and, it's, uh, and, and why do we do it? We do it because what music means to us. So about 
17 years ago uh, after being a manager and an agent and a music industry consultant. I think I was one of the first consultants other than the guys that bribe radio stations for to play <laughs> to play music. They were called consultants back in the day. Um, I was given the job and also honor of representing the European Music Office and the French Music Export Office. And Jordi and other friends have heard this story before, but I apologize to them if you haven't. So I decided and thought, well, you know, one thing we need to change if we're going to sell French music in North America or European music in North America, unless we want to sing, sell only Anglophone music, is the language challenge. And I had worked with artists from other countries before, the Gypsy Kings, Fela Kuti, uh, and I had worked with American bands overseas a lot before. So I, you know, I understood the value of language. I remember one Suzanne Vega concert in France. I used to work with Suzanne and um, like 2,500 people there. It was the Grand Palace uh, on the Grand Boulevard and everybody was singing her songs way more than in America. I was like, wow. I went down backstage afterwards and asked her manager, hey, Ron, how did you do this? Uh, and he said, well, we put the lyrics and the translations, the liner notes. Uh, and I remember that. It was like, it was amazing because obviously she was a great lyricist and people cared about it and we're learning language through it as well. Um, so I was given the honor of running the French Music Export Office and the European Music Office. And I said, well, the first thing we got to do, knowing it wouldn't be the first thing, is actually have dumb Americans like me understand the great French repertoire, the great repertoire from Barcelona, like where Jordi lives, or other people around the world, uh, if we really want to have them be able to relate to what the song means. So, so that was kind of the beginning of my decision to give music subtitles. Here I am 17 years later, working with, uh, you know, with Cindy Week and all my friends here uh, to do that. Uh, and with Lyric Find, whose mission started about the same time as mine. Uh, I met people from Grace Note and Lyric Find, who were the first two companies that were monetizing lyrics online. It actually had not started yet in 2004, even though online uh, was, was, was big. I mean, there were lyrics all over. They were all illegal. They were all non-monetized. They were all pretty much bad quality as well. Um, and uh, so Lyric Fine started a company and the guys at Grace Note, who we later acquired their music business, um, started monetizing lyrics legally online. Uh, and it's been kind of my pathway since. Um, so that's enough about me. I'll pass the uh, talking stick over to Anna uh, and she can introduce herself. And uh, thanks, Anna. Thank you, um, and thanks for having me, of course, and um, having Song Trust. Sorry for that beeping sound. I don't know what that is. Um, hopefully it will end soon. Um, this is this is the Zoom world that we're living in. Um, so I am the head of creative and partnerships at Song Trust. Until recently, I was leading uh, the business development team. So I and my and my background before that was in record label management. Um, I was the US GM for Rough Trade Records for a number of years um, before coming over to the publishing side. Uh, you know, which of the which of them is the dark side is is always the question. Um, but no, I'm I'm very happy to be at Song Trust. You know, our we're a, we're a technology-based platform that's focused on global publishing administration um, excellence and being able to do that at scale. Um, accessibility and transparency are you know our core values. Uh, we're really out there trying to make sure that you know there isn't another 424 million dollar uh, unmatched royalty payout that that everyone has the access at whatever stage in their career they are in. 
um, to access their royalties as a songwriter. And I know that that's, that's a mission that a, a lot of folks in this room probably uh, resonate with and probably work towards as well. Um, I know that that you both do as well. So so yeah, at Song Trust, um, that's, that's our mission. We work with a lot of individual creators. We work with folks who have songs at the top of the charts. We work with folks who are just starting out. We work with businesses um, as their publishing administration back office. And um, we're just, we're really excited to be here, excited to talk about lyrics and monetization, which, you know, the more data you supply, the better, as we're always telling our clients in our in our various uh, communication modes. So um, thanks for the intro. And uh, Jordi, I think you're next. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Robert. I never get tired of uh, hearing your story, Robert. So, and it's always told in a different way, uh, <laughs> and I love it. But uh, yeah, first of all, thank you so much for, for inviting me, for having me. It's, uh, it's a joy always to share a panel with, uh, with such incredible professionals and in, and in this context, in the week, which, uh, you know, we've, we've been there physically, now we are there uh, virtually, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's great to, to be able to share this space, knowledge, uh, comments, stories, and, and learn from from all of you, the incredible people that uh, that attend, and uh, that you know, it's it gives us the opportunity to continue learning um, every day and exchanging uh, the knowledge that we have. But anyway, um, I'm I'm here as CEO of Unison. Unison, it's a, a rights management uh, entity, a collection agency. We uh, collect and distribute royalties for publishing, both public performance and mechanicals. Um, we, for those in the uh, North America, uh, whether Canada, US. Um, it's uh, an organization very similar in, in nature to uh, organizations like uh, GMR or uh, CSAC, which are collection agencies that are private uh, for profit. And we are driven by the principles of efficiency and transparency through technology, very much aligned with um, the principles and, and ethos that Anna was describing about song trust from their rights admin perspective. Um, we are very much in tune with this a new way of approaching the, the, the copyrights management um, for music. Uh, we were accepted as client army by CSAC, not, not the, the collection agency, uh, North American uh, CSAC, but the um, Organization of Collection Societies uh, last year as a client army. Um, and basically we started operations on 2020, the best year in history to start operations of uh, any any kind in, in the music industry or elsewhere. Uh, but well, we, we, we had been uh, going on for three years, but um, preparing for the operation to start, which was on, on 2020. And we started managing uh, rights in over 450,000 songs. We ended the year managing copyrights in more than 800,000 songs. And our clients that we represent are individual writers, uh, independent uh, publishing companies, and also other CMOs, other um, rights management organizations from uh, mostly outside of Europe that we help them to collect uh, their, their uh, publishing rights in Spain and Europe. And that's more or less in a nutshell. And um, just to to get more focused on the, on the topic that we are in, the, the importance of lyrics, um, I must say that, that, that Robert actually um, many, many years ago was, was the, the first person I, I heard advocating for the importance of, of translation and also monetization in the digital world of the, of the lyrics. 
and and when I when I heard him first, I you know immediately was uh, engaged with uh, with this argument and and with the importance of that because being from a country where you know my mother tongue is Catalan, I uh, I'm bilingual uh, because I, I speak Catalan and Spanish, but English did not come into my life until uh, much uh, later than music and and popular music. So where I'm from, uh, we grew singing songs that we didn't understand. We didn't have a clue. And for example, I, I sang for, for many years, um, I want to be a dog, when I should have been saying, I want to be adored, right? And so I was singing actually the Stoge lyrics in, in the, uh, you know, Stone Roses lyrics. So um, yeah, that's just a, an anecdote. But, uh, but uh, when I managed to learn uh, a little bit of English, uh, you know, and, and the universe of uh, popular music in English opened up um, and I actually started understanding the, the, the songs that I was singing was, was incredible. So the opportunity that to actually understand all the other lyrics, not only in English, but French, that I don't have the, 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 the luck or the, the, the pleasure to know, uh, that would be amazing. So that's why also I'm here because I'm a huge supporter of Robert's work on that respect as a someone that would highly benefit from this. Uh, so yeah, that's, um, you know, that's my, my take, my initial take on that. Indie Week just announced the Indie Week Super Pass for 2022. What is that? Well, Indie Week Super Pass not only gets you into all four online conferences presented by Indie Week, but also access to any mentorships throughout the year. Just a little extra and you get so much more. For more information, go to IndieWeek.com. Thank you both very much uh, again. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I wanna speak about Lyric Find a little bit. Um, we are moving into the Lyric translation mode now. I've been working on it for many years, as I said myself, but uh, we're about to launch uh, what we call GLP, Global Lyric Project. Um, which is basically will capture uh, lyric translations from around the world. We also have the top 100 songs uh, global in US back from 2019 translated in about seven or eight languages in house already. So any platforms out there that want lyric translations, we do have lyric translations in our deals now with some of the platforms. Um, the automotive platform, which is a new uh, vertical that we just went into, has lyrics and lyric translations, and that'll be uh, rolling out, uh, no pun intended, uh, in 2021 uh, at the end of the year. So there'll be millions of cars with uh, lyrics and lyric translations. So we can all sing, I want to be a dog uh, or whatever, um, and keep ourselves alive on the road uh, and our friends and our kids in the back and also uh, can sing along and all that. Um, so Lyric Find is the leader in Lyric translations worldwide. Uh, uh, it's a B2B company. We don't have Lyric websites, but we service Google Search, Amazon Music, Deezer, Pandora, about 70 other YouTube music, about 70 other platforms representing about 500 different platforms and applications around the world. And we will be adding Lyric translations, but we also do uh, Lyric Merch. This is another, um, if you can see it, but uh, that's another uh, way that we um, kind of compete with the illegal lyric merchandising that's all over the place. This is uh, this is actually on-demand printing. So that was a unique shirt that 
I ordered. I think I was actually in Spain, Jordi, at a conference or meeting or something when we opened that. I wanted to be one of the first ones to buy it. And that was just Beatles. And, you know, you're always waiting for this moment to be free is something that I believe in. So I went and bought it and I showed it and worn it at a bunch of conferences since. But it's, it's, it's a song and lyrics that have meaning to me. So it's a way that uh, we could take back the illegal, unauthorized, non-monetized. And this is really good for emerging artists as well as superstars. Obviously, superstars will make a lot more money on it. But I think any emerging artists where people believe in their songs, I see Sepado in the back or, you know, of Anna or, or any emerging artist uh, um, who has fans, even if it's 100 fans and even if it's their friends and their best friends who love their lyrics can can do that, can order a shirt on Lyric Merch. We're also adding Lyric IQ, which is a way to, um, uh, a couple of things really. It, it tells uh, platforms whether the song could be tending towards racist or very sexual or um, homophobic or you know different themes that we can measure through the words. It can also help choose uh, syncs for people if they want a, <clears throat> a song about horses in Catalan. Um, you know they can actually track it down and find a song about horses in Catalan for a sync, which could change an emerging artist's life. Uh, some syncs I've been involved with have been million-dollar syncs, literally. Um, over time. Um, so we do everything we can to increase the value of lyrics. And remember, we talked about metadata briefly, or Anna mentioned it. Uh, the original metadata is the lyrics of the song and the notes of the song, um, because that's what is really the most important. And so for engagement and for discovery and for communication and for the reason of songs, I mean, how did songs start it? They started as a method of communication the troubadours would come and sing the news. Uh, you know, it, it's all it's all about communication. And the more we communicate, the better we communicate. And that's all Lyric Find does is it amplifies the communication of your songs uh, and of your favorite songs. So it connects the songwriter through the artist to the fan, which is really all of what we're doing in the music industry and in the music community all the time in whatever ways we can. We're trying to increase that connection and increase that sustainability for the artists, the songwriters, uh, and for the fans, because music saves lives, you know, especially in COVID period, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been really important for all of us to have, uh, our music, you know, streaming has gone way up, you know, uh, even the music on television is now subtitled with translations. Uh, so, uh, people recognize the value of lyrics. Um, so I want to, uh, kind of throw it open a little bit more and, um, uh, say with Unison and SongTrust, SongTrust and Downtown are, are partners for probably 14 years, you know, right when we signed the majors, we licensed Downtown and I don't even know if SongTrust is 14 years old, Anna, but okay, whenever you started, we worked, started working with you and, you know, they're our friends and compatriots and they're really increasing the value of music for as many or all of their songwriters really because they're registering uh, their songs around the world. And I'll let Anna talk about that. But Unison also I want to give props to because Jordy said they started in 2020. And they were like the quickest and most efficient CMO we've ever dealt with. Sorry, SoCan. Sorry, uh, Apramcos. Apramcos was probably second uh, around the world. Um, SoCan still not yet, unfortunately. And we're a Canadian company. So uh, we're still working on it. Um, Harry Fox was was a, a major, major partner of ours as a CMO in the beginning, and they still are. Um, but in terms of speed and efficiency, 
I got to say, Jordy, you guys rock. David and your team was like amazing. Uh, so we have all the uh, Unison catalog in our repertoire. We have all the Downtown and Song Trust catalog in our repertoire. But we, what we don't have and what we need and what I want to make a real appeal to you, your both friends and everybody else who's listening is we don't necessarily have all of your lyrics. Uh, um, we went and talked about that. And even I've talked about that with Daryl a lot on the CD Baby side. But we're getting now many, many, many more lyrics. And I want to make sure that we get lyrics from all of the songwriters and platforms and managers and publishers who are listening. Uh, and um, I guess I want to toss it over to Anna to really talk about metadata, talk about, or, or, or really whatever you want to talk about uh, from, from your perspective on this subject. So, so go ahead. No, absolutely. And, and lyrics are, you know, a piece of, of metadata, which is, you know, a crucial piece. I agree. You know, in the streaming world, in the world that we all live in, nobody can afford to have bad data out there. I mean, and, and it's something that working with folks at all levels of their career, um, especially folks who maybe don't have anyone helping them out, right? They're, they're songwriters, we have a lot of songwriters who don't have managers, who don't have, you know, agents of any type who have really big cuts. Like we've got folks who either because of a sample or because, you know, they were in the right place at the right time in the studio, they have 10, 20, 40% of what ends up being a huge song. And there's so much education out there that's necessary, not only to tell them what they need to send us, but tell them that they should be keeping records of this stuff you know, sign that split sheet before you leave the studio is is a mantra that that we use a lot because, you know, if you have inaccurate information out there, it's just that much more difficult to correct it. Like you get it right the first time and there's no counterclaims, there's no mismatches, there's no delayed merge issues. If everyone is signed up correctly with their correct splits and everyone knows it and everyone's happy with it because you've already agreed, then we're not we're not coming into uh, those type of issues. But once someone says I have fifty percent, and someone says, well, I have seventy five percent, then it's documentation, and nobody's getting paid. And um, so you know that's a really a really important piece. Um, and you know the more information you're able to supply to your partners, whether that's song trust, whether that's your PRO, the better. And the importance of that record keeping, I think, hasn't been really shared with people, you know, outside of, of the folks who are at labels, the folks who are at publishers. And I think I told you yesterday, Robert, in our chat, like when I was in label management in the early days, um, pre-streaming, um, our distributor accepted a lot of very um, incomplete metadata from me. Um, Part of it was because we had so many Icelandic artists and I couldn't get the, the accents over their names correct. But, um, you know, and, and those days th that can no longer fly because in order to be able to get these micro pennies to their right sources and for all of us to be able to, you know, have an industry to work in, um, the data need to be good. And I think that's that's a really key piece. And we do a lot of education um, to our clients, to folks who seek us out as a source about the types of information that you need, 
the types of partners who need it, and uh, what to make sure that you, as a songwriter and as a business person, really, if you're if you're monetizing at all, you're a business person, um, making sure that you have it on hand and that you're confident in it, and that everyone's agreed, and you have as much documentation as possible of those agreements, because that's really the baseline of making sure you're able to get everything monetized, whether it's your lyrics, right, or it's a performance royalty or a mechanical royalty of another sort. Yeah, yep. I, I, I absolutely agree with uh, with Anna uh, on the metadata side, and and I actually encourage anyone to to um, watch uh, some of the videos that SongTrust produces for this type of education, which are you know top notch. And we thank you because uh, by doing this and and this task of uh, giving the knowledge to whoever needs it, then uh, makes everyone else uh, work easier or, or less hard, right? Because we are then the CMO who needs to collect. If we get the right information, the metadata, then we can collect properly. If, if, if we don't, we, we cannot. So those videos that you have, um, you know, that you produce regularly at SunTrust are, are great. Um, and we channel people uh, all the time to, to you guys. Uh, when we get questions from writers, say like, well, have you checked out some trust videos <laughs> for education, you know, because they're, they're, they're useful. Also, we're seeing very interesting developments on um, composition softwares uh, that are starting to include the possibility of, uh, of uh, um, registering the ownership uh, and producers. We see companies like uh, Delic, for example, in the UK, that um, are starting to create uh, modules where composers share tracks uh, of one composition and, and this track sharing then gets registered according to what percentages of ownership they decide as well as the lyrics. And, and this is crucial uh, when it comes to lyrics because of what, um, you know, what, what, what Robert in, in his uh, Lyric Find page well, you know, we, we work with Lyric Find because obviously Robert explained <laughs> how they were working and the benefits of it. And one one uh, benefit that really um, got my attention is one, it's obvious, which is to collect the, the, the royalties for these lyrics. But then all the upsides are amazing. What, what uh, you know, the, the data, the percentages of uh, merchandising increase uh, and more awareness of the song, more visits to the song when you have the lyrics available, it's quite, it's quite remarkable. And it's something that it's not obvious at, 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 you know, you would not think of necessarily having your lyrics well, um, um, well presented and, and well tracked uh, would necessarily increase your merchandise, but you have quite, quite some impressive data on that, Robert, right? Thanks, Jordi, that's great. I mean, the other thing is that we do double the publisher's revenue when a lyric is exhibited on paid platform, double. We do quadruple the, the publisher's revenue on an ad supported platform times four. So imagine the 424 million that Anna was referring to before that the MLC collected from the streaming platforms that support the MLC for black box money. So imagine if that was doubled, if your lyrics were on every single one of that or quadrupled with YouTube where it's ad supported, you know, that's a big amount of money, right? So uh, somebody has to actually ask for the lyrics, generally speaking, but uh, that's a huge amount of money. But what Jordy was talking about was even more important, things that we can't actually uh, figure. Somebody asked, you know, how much does an average song make? Well, frankly, I got to tell you the truth, not much, unless it's a really big song, it doesn't make a lot of money. I want to be transparent here. However, 
you need to get your lyrics on all these services because MicroPennies grows to become sustainable income. You know, 40,000 artists, sustainable income or whatever they said lately, uh, they can live on this. Uh, and lyrics are a, a major part of that. And the ancillary income, like we talked about syncs, I've been a music supervisor before. I always put songs in lyrics related to the action, whether it was a joke or a comment or some kind of thing. And I know people who, who search all the time for uh, lyrical themes for syncs. A sync could be a life changer. Like I said, it could be a total career changer. It could be a million dollars. So if, you're, if, if your lyrics aren't with us or our competitor, um, that means that they're not on Google search, number one result. That could mean you missed a sink, a horses in Catalan or whatever. Uh, uh, it's, it's, really, um, it's really important. And the ancillary income, remember the double and quadruple that I was mentioning only is income from us. It also increases mechanical income, performance income, because the DSPs pay the, the publishers for that. It increases length of listen and repeats, that's time. So it increases the master income also. We don't pay the label, we pay the publisher. That's the lyric right but increases the master income. And you know, with 360 deals, sometimes it's the same company, but more often it's not. I mean, the publishers retain the rights on the publishing. So it is really important. The ancillary income could be 10X the income from us, or it could be a million X, you know, if you get a sync. So it is, it is really important. Uh, the, the, the money that you get from us, we are paying publishers millions of dollars a year, uh, cumulatively, many millions of dollars a year cumulatively, but, you know, per song that breaks down to, you know, a, a, a much smaller amount. So you're not going to necessarily get rich on Lyric Find. If you have a hit song, you'll make a lot of money through Lyric Find, but, but, you know, it's worth your effort and time because you could get rich on a sync or karaoke is going to increase or all the rest of it. Um, so somebody asked how do, how do we make money and what happens? So basically we charge all the platforms, whether it's an automobile or a car or, or a, sorry, or a phone or a, a phone company that wants lyrics or any one of our digital uh, platforms, we charge them as much as we can charge them because we're going for you. You know, we want you to make money. We want to make money. So we negotiate hard to charge them as much as possible. And then we split it with the publisher or if it's a self-published writer with the writer directly. That's the, that's the way. We can't do that with everybody because it costs us money to actually transcribe your song and put it in the system. So on the lyricfind.com site, we have a 0% deal, which means you actually don't get paid. But if you went through an aggregator like Unison or Song Trust or Downtown, you would get paid. So that's a reason to go through an aggregator or Harry Fox. But with emerging artists who are just signing up to Lyric Find, we don't pay them, but it's still valuable for you. You might not make the, you know, the, the dollars that you would make at 50%, but your music is out there. Your lyrics are out there. Your message is out there. And what are you doing this for? You know, you're doing it to get the message out there. So um, I just wanted to look at, and the platforms need lyrics. If there's any platforms out there that don't have lyrics, you know, talk to us, you know, we make it feasible, easy. Uh, we, we have deals with, uh, about six or 7,000 music publishers, which represents over 50,000 music catalogs because some publishers represent many catalogs. Uh, so we have agreements with the publishers to actually make it happen. Um, uh, what else did I want to say? So um, yeah, I mean, let, let me throw it back to Anna and maybe I can ask you, um, so how does Song Trust or Downtown uh, actually collect lyrics from the artists and songwriters, sorry, from the songwriters who want to actually 
uh, deliver them to you because that's uh, again something we talked about yesterday a lot. And I don't want to I don't want to you know pressure you or anything like that. But there is a method for song trust writers to to deliver lyrics. I believe right. Yeah, we do um, accept lyrics to the platform. We aren't currently delivering them directly for a number of reasons. One of which is that. Uh, generally, uh, those are coming from distributors or other sources, um, but we do accept them into our platform um, and we use that for things like when there are disputes um, and, and other types of kind of questions about licensing so we can make sure basically this is the correct song that we're talking about. And at such a time as we are able to directly deliver those, of course, we'll, we'll, use, we'll use that data um, that we have collected and kind of continue collecting. Um, it is optional currently for folks to supply lyrics. And, you know, the reason for that is because we don't want someone to not register a song because they don't have the lyrics at hand. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I've definitely worked with songwriters who don't know their lyrics off the top of their head that, you know, that's, that's why they have to kind of uh, practice before they're performing it. Um, and, and they need someone to help them with it. Um, I've definitely, uh, myself transcribed and had interns tra transcribe uh, for sync requests when the artist didn't have them on hand. And it's much harder when say it's a Scottish artist. Uh, let's just leave that there. But um, but absolutely, it's it's an important piece of data that can be used for a number of reasons. And, you know, as I put in the chat, you can afford not to have your data out there. Like if we're in a micro penny world, you've got to get all of them. So you get your performance, you get your mechanicals, you make sure you are monetizing your lyrics, whether that's delivering directly to someone like Lyric Find, whether it's making sure your label or your distributor have that information. Um, because like Robert said, um, maybe someone sees a lyric video or sees the lyrics in a, in a social media post and that makes them connect with you because they realize like, oh, this is really speaking to me. Now I'm your fan, right? Like there are so many ways that we interact with music. I was always a lyrics person. Like I was always disappointed when the, you know, LP cassette CD and now back to LP doesn't have the lyrics in it. And so I, I absolutely recognize like there is tremendous value, not only monetary value, but also, uh, you know, fan value and, and other ways it can resonate, like Robert said, that are that are important. And thanks, Hannah. That's what we do this for. We do it for the fans and the people out there in the world. And uh, I didn't mean to like press you on why, you know, you're not delivering us yet, but you, you, you will, it will happen. And, you know, she mentioned that, you know, we are actually getting lyrics from distributors now, uh, uh, key major big distributors, which is a little bit strange because it's coming from the label side as packaging sometimes, uh, which they don't necessarily own the rights for, uh, but we make sure the rights are cleared before we actually uh, show them. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, wanted to kind of pick up on something else that you said, Anna, was that, you know, the, really the, 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 the lyrics are part of the raison d'etre for what we do, you know, the reason for being, uh, uh, and, and what every songwriter on this um, panel who is a lyricist as well, or who works with lyricists does. Uh, so it's 50% of the value of the song, it's 50% of the value of our industry, it's 50%. And to me, it's really the ultimate value. We're actually, you know, by communicating the lyrics, we're changing people's lives and help saving people's lives in some, some, some areas and, and, you know, saying, telling the messages that really uh, are important for the world to hear, or at least important for us as songwriters for the world to hear. And I'm not a songwriter, but so Jordy, I wanted to ask you, do you think uh, with a unison um, metadata acquisition, I know that you're getting it mostly from your partners, but I know that, you know, your team is really efficient and transparent and, and, you know, working hard on those. Are you 
adding or have you already added a, a lyric field into your metadata or is that something that uh, is not, you know, it's kind of on the pipeline? Just curious. Uh, no, uh, sure. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, you were saying like that, that, that lyric save lives. Some lyrics almost killed me when I was a teenager, but anyways, that's a type of lyrics. <laughs> You're here, my friend. You're here. <laughs> but um, yeah, on the we we do have actually in our platform uh, when we have the metadata of of a, of a song, um, it, you you our we ask if it's a music only or music and lyrics um, musical work, and then you can include the lyrics in this uh, in in the metadata through our platform and in the ingestion, uh, mass ingestion of metadata in our platform, uh, you could add a field for that if you had it. But again, uh, you know, as Anna was saying, uh, for us, the priority is to register the works um, in a way that we have the basic codes uh, and, and metadata, which is the, the, the works name, the composer's name, um, whatever code, if we have one, if not, we will create it, the ISWC, or if we have the recording code, ISRCs. And, and the lyrics are not part of the minimum viable data, meaning that we can register a song uh, and start monetizing without the lyrics. And that's why... It's funny because in most countries, when I was growing up a long, long time ago, you needed to register the lyrics with the, uh, with the music you know, to the copyright society because how else would they have a record of how the song was registered? So yeah, but this is this is the old days when <laughs> you had to register also the the musical sheets, sheet music, physical, yeah. you know, and 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 um, but but right now uh, because you go through all the commercial uh, circuit, if it's a production song which is being produced uh, specifically for an audiovisual, then we collect the audio as well. But we collect the audio in order to be able to fingerprint it and then um, and then uh, basically monitor the usage of this song. We monitor the usage of all the songs in TV and radio in Spain, for example, and then we either need them to be commercial music that has gone through the commercial path, meaning uh, digital distributor, digital platform, then you have the ISRC codes, but also you have the audio recordings somewhere. And if we don't have these, then we need the audio recording. But with that, we are we can do it already. And, but, and that's why it's not like the old days that you needed everything physical and, and all these pieces of information. But again, what Anna said, we have the option in our platform it's not compulsory because it would be detrimental, I think, uh, to make it compulsory for us. Um, I'll tell you what, one thing, you know, it, as things go, it will be more and more obvious for you and for uh, Song Trust to make, and for CD Baby and everybody else to make it compulsory because um, you will be receiving so much more money from us uh, and so much more money on the mechanicals and the performances and everything else that uh, I hope that within the next, uh, you know, short amount of time, you do make it compulsory because that is the original metadata. Uh, that is the, the base, uh, you know, before anything else, that's the, that's the word. I mean, we're, we're, we're working on it, but more, it's not better. Uh, I mean, more it's fine, but uh, you know, it's, it's not better if, if the alternative is zero. So if, if I'm, if I'm have to choose between zero or more, uh, sorry, or or you know just staying or more or zero, then I would go for for more, obviously, but uh, not for zero. <laughs>
Indie Week All Access Pass just announced. One pass gets you into all four online conferences Indie Week is producing in 2022. Screen by Screen Music and Tech Conference in February. Indie 101 Education on the Music Industry and Business in May. Music Pro Summit High Level Industry Discussions in September. And Indie Week in November. All this for one low price right now at Super Early Bird Pricing, which will take place only for a limited time. For more information, go to IndieWeek.com. The work that you're doing, it's amazing in order to correct all that in the industry. And I think that that's the, the, the path that we're taking, the way we're going, thanks to companies like, like, like you guys. Um, and we definitely have the processes ready there uh, to input the lyrics, to get them to you. Um, and and we, we will continue to do that because it's in our client's benefit. The right holder benefit yeah, and your company's and benefit, benefit and my yeah. obviously my yeah we we do well if our clients do well we're we are linked to the fate of our clients so yeah <laughs> so are we so are we yeah we're all trying to serve the community um well one thing that anna mentioned also on, on the distribution side lyric videos uh that's a, a cue for me to go into our lyric video uh, pitch. That's something that's happening now. The test is gonna be rolled out next month with one of the major distributors coming from the label side uh, who also represent publishing. And we have a scalable method for uh, creating lyric videos with assets from the labels or the distributors. So on your label distributor side, Daryl, uh, CD Baby in Canada or wherever, um, it's a way to, you know, in 20 seconds, put together a really nice lyric video, which is also um, scrolls in time with, with the audio uh, from the label side. So that's another way. I mean, everybody knows the value of lyric videos. They're released before the album and single in many cases. Uh, uh, it's, it's necessary. So that's another thing that Lyric Line is doing. And we're always, you know, trying to push the envelope to bring the songwriters and the publishers and uh, PRO partners, CMO partners, more income all the time. Um, so um, let me see, it's any other, what, what did I forget here? Um, I guess maybe I, I, I wanted to say a little bit about the global reach of Unison, Song Trust, and Lyric Find, uh, you know, because the services are global now, it's not like we're sending plastic to uh, to Africa. Um, the services are all global, and we have to realize that that we're in a global business. And for that, Lyric Find, we have teams in uh, Morocco, Vietnam, India. Um, I'm forgetting somewhere. Uh, uh, South Africa for languages which we don't have in-house in, uh, in in Toronto. We also have publishing reps. I saw Peter Asted on here from uh, from Sweden a minute ago, um, and we have reps from uh, Portugal. You know, Nuno is our rep, uh, Jordi in Portugal, I think, uh, um, and and reps around the world who really know the local scene and can help us work more with the publishers. But I just before we take questions, which will be in a few minutes, I wanted to ask. Uh, Jordi and Anna, um, respectively, what their kind of global thoughts are in terms of, you know, lyrics in general, but what your organizations and companies do uh, globally, because I think that's really important. You know, here we are somewhat local. I mean, we're all from around the world, but, you know, it's a Toronto based thing, but talk about the global aspect of, of our business, please, Jordi, first. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't have offices or reps in so many countries as you do, but we do. We do have the, our offices in in Barcelona, and then we have reps in London, in LA, um, in India. 
um, and in Latin America, in, in, in Colombia. Um, but uh, for us, as you said, it's a, it's a global market. We do multi-territorial licensing directly for digital. So we don't go through any of the hubs, um, like the, the digital multi-territorial hubs that you can find in, in Europe, for example, like ICE or Harmonia. We do it ourselves. We are our own hub, actually. And we serve as a hub as well to other collection societies from, um, from African and Latin American countries so far. And, and that's why it's so important, our global reach. We cannot do global, full global licensing directly for, for the whole of the globe digitally because we have, uh, there are regulation restrictions in, in many parts of the world. So uh, Europe just liberalized a few years ago, very recently, the market of the copyrights management. We can exist because there was a new directive from the European Commission that liberalized the market. In the US, it has been like that for decades. So, so uh, CSAC and, and GMR, they, they exist for, for a long time now. But, but it was not like that in Europe. And in places, in, in regions like, for example, Latin America, you still have uh, a lot of regulatory uh, um, issues in order to be able to collect directly. So what we do is we collect directly uh, where we can, and we go through our partnerships with CMOs where we cannot. And, and for us, this is crucial. It's, it's key, the, the global approach, uh, both uh, going in and going out. Like, uh, you know, we have clients. Um, now we have more than 200 clients, I was told today, that, that we, uh, we moved uh, over the, the 200 clients um, and we manage more than 800,000 works. And, and those clients are from so many different places. We have clients from Russia, from the US, from Latin America, from the UK, from Portugal, Spain. Uh, so yeah, for, we, we see it this way and, and that's the way we're, we're definitely uh, going forward. Thanks, Jordi. Yeah, I want to have Anna be able to answer that question then we'll move to questions from the audience. Thanks, put them in Whovo or if you're on Zoom, put them in Zoom, thanks. Great, yeah, thank you. And, and kind of piggybacking on what Jordi said, as the music industry, we're not, as we're, not, we're no longer shipping plastic except, you know, vinyl LPs to, to my house constantly, honestly. Um, we're not shipping plastic around the world, so it is making it easier for people to discover music from uh, everywhere, from, from countries that were extremely inaccessible, you know, to say the Western market. Um, in the past. And we've also seen what I think is tremendously exciting, a, a huge increase in interest in uh, non-Anglophone music for people who, you know, people in America, people in the UK, people who speak English as a first language, like, you know, and that's that's an exciting cultural change that has been kind of made possible, I think, and, and amplified by this accessibility. And um, so that means that it's really important to make sure that artists in uh, you know, the countries of Africa or say in China or in a lot of regions where it's historically been pretty difficult for them to monetize their rights as songwriters to monetize their rights. Because you know, if you have a hit, um, a global hit, but you're not able to register with your local society or you, know, you don't have access to the educational resources that, that prove to you that you need to register with your society or with an administrator or, you know, any combination of those, um, you know, you're not going to be earning all of the revenue that you that your that your music is earning. And I think that with globalization, it's it's exciting and it it brings a lot of new music to our ears and it's wonderful. But we also um, I think it's incumbent on us 
to make sure that those creators um, all over the world are able to monetize. And, you know, that's something that has been a part of Song Trust Mission from the jump, but really in the past couple of years, we've had some really great partnerships um, in Latin America, in uh, Nigeria and Ghana, especially um, with, with publishers who are, you know, providing access or distributors who are providing publishing administration powered by Song Trust with a real urgency to make sure that that artists um, of all sizes from all over the world are able to monetize. And that's been something really, really exciting is seeing that expansion um, and seeing, you know, the immediate effect, you know, it's, it's, if you are able to earn money from your music, you're able to make more music because maybe you don't have to work as many hours at your full-time job. Maybe you can go down to part-time. Maybe you don't have to have a day job. Like that's really the goal ultimately is to allow brilliant people who are making music that we care about to, to do it as their job, right? So, so it is the globalization I think makes all of this about metadata, all of this about access more important than it's ever been. Thanks, Anna. Well said. And I also think it's about having being able to be a person and a fan around the world. It's not necessarily a musician or a songwriter who's taking advantage of all the incredible messages that the songwriters are giving us all the time, all around the world in every language. So we only have about 10 minutes left for questions. Sorry guys, but I'll read the ones out. Does Lyric Find make direct deals with indie and DIY artists slash publishers that want to participate in the deals and lyrical services you make? Yes, we do. I explained that earlier. I think on the site, we can do it as a 0% deal, which means you don't get accounting and you don't get income. Or you can sign up through an aggregator, a rights aggregator like SongTrust um, uh, or sometimes digital distributors offer those opportunities. I know CDB Pro does, for example, uh, or through a, an organization like uh, Unison, I believe, uh, HFA in America. But we do make direct deals as well. Uh, and th the money that you would lose between 50% and zero probably isn't that much unless you get unless it starts really growing. And if it does, then you can switch to a direct deal. So don't worry about, you know, losing it. Put your lyrics up right away if you can, or, or go through one of the partners. The good thing about going through a partner also is then you also have your metadata together and you don't necessarily have to do all the work that you just did with your partners. You could send them the metadata, they can send us the metadata, which makes life easier. What's typical revenue side out of lyrics for emerging indie artists? It's minimal. It depends on, um, but like I said, the lyric fine revenue is, is, is significant. It helps you be sustainable, but uh, the ancillary revenue, the other revenue that you could get could be life-changing. So we don't really know because we don't actually pay extra mechanicals, pay extra performances, pay neighboring rights and interactive royalties. All those things are derived out of your lyrics and out of your uh, lyric exposure worldwide. Um, sorry, these were lyric fine questions. Can you please elaborate on the lyric services for Spotify as well as synchronization across platforms? So on the synchronization side, we do synchronization to audio. We don't have the rights to synchronize to visual images, although you know, with some platforms we can conceivably go to the publishers and get them. But in terms of Spotify, we did work with Spotify in a couple of territories. They went for our competitor recently in the non-copyright um, infringement uh, dangerous uh, countries. Uh, um, you know, we're hoping that we can work with Spotify again, but we do work with Deezer and Amazon Music and a lot of other ones. Long story for that, but I can't really go into it here. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you want to hit me up. Um, yeah, you know, we are hoping that we 
we can uh, get an agreement with Spotify again. Um, is Lyric Fine investing into AI? And if you could talk about any projects or initiatives. Yes, so the Lyric IQ is an AI initiative. People think with syncs, I want a happy song or I want a song that, you know, is like uh, fast or whatever. And, but they're always, if it syncs, it means it has to refer to the action. So we're doing AI based on the lyrics. And there's many companies that do AI based on the theme, the music, the mood, all that stuff. So we're actually, because Pumped Up Kicks is about suicide, about, you know, about the, 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 the murder in the, in the schools, but it's kind of a upbeat song, you know, but it's about something really, really serious. Uh, so yeah, we do work with AI. We work with Watson on that and other AI companies. Yeah, I mentioned in here, if anybody's working with uh, Africa, they can check out angia.biz and really both of you two are invited to talk if you wanted to. Um, I didn't realize you were so focused on Africa at uh, 16 East African countries. Um, what else did we uh, say? Did I miss any questions? Um, plugging our free resource. Yes, definitely check out the Song Trust resources. They're great. I also tell my publishing new hires from publishing, uh, please read all the Song Trust stuff. I was giving Anna a little bit of a hard time yesterday to put more lyric stuff in there, but you know, that's another story. Um, you know, but they, they're really good. Articles about lyrics. Great. They have you some go to our, if you go to our site and you look for lyric monetization, you'll find a couple of informational resources. We would never, we would never leave you out to dry, Robert. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, I guess I missed them. So my, my bad. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. Uh, let me see. Are you hiring? That's great. Great question. Yeah, we're always hiring. Lyric Find is always hiring. We're a growing company. Uh, I want to thank the Canadian government also. And this is a good one. And Jordi, you should know about this because I know that with Sound Diplomacy, your other baby, uh, uh, which you've done an amazing job with over the years. Uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, uh, we're trying to work on a European uh, initiative as well with the EU because they talk about diversity and culture um, and what's more diverse and cultural, if not lyrics. So the Canadian government, I have to thank the Canadian government, Canadian heritage, the federal government. I wrote and we won this major grant because Canada being a bilingual country with many, many, many indigenous languages, maybe 150 or so, I believe uh, it's been different numbers really. Uh, um, you know, basically to export your music. Okay, Anglophone music has been the de facto export music language. You know, I worked for France, for Europe and for Brazil also as an export music manager. But, but uh, you know, think about the opportunities to have your music uh, understood in all the different, you know, Catalan, you know, your songs understood in all the different European countries, you know. So if, uh, if we can talk later about maybe participating in that, in that kind of proposal, because the EU has Music Moves Europe, and maybe you're involved in a few of those already, you know, you mentioned some of the other folks before the call, you know, who are involved in some of those programs. Um, but for all the Europeans to be able to understand the great songs from Slovenia, or from Macedonia, or from, you know, in, in those languages, in smaller languages, and in indigenous languages, which we're applying for another grant, because part of our focus was on indigenous languages. You know, these are languages that are also pot potentially dying that are, that are sometimes 40,000 years old, you know, songs that are 40,000 years old, lyrics that are 40,000 years old. So all of this has tremendous value to us as human beings. And um, I think that's what we all have to remember. You know, it's about the business, it's about sustainability, it's about the UN develop, sustainable development goals. Uh, it's about all of that, but music, we're in a, we're in a blessed space. And uh, thank you everybody for, for being in this space. So I'm gonna give the 
bring it back to Daryl before I start crying. And uh, uh, Daryl, take it away, my friend. Oh, thanks, Robert. And uh, yeah, Robert is very passionate about this space. And uh, uh, it's been great to learn a lot from Robert over the last few years as I get to know more myself. And uh, yes, we've, we'll do the plug that Indie Week did the live lyric translations uh, for Brazilian acts and indigenous acts. And uh, so, some very meaningful memories came out of that time. So, um, and we also did it in Brazil at ComaFest for uh, our English artists going to Brazil. So in concert uh, lyric translation. Yeah. Coming yeah, soon. Live. On and Zoom then, lyric translation coming soon. <laughs> That's in our next grant. Yeah, so, and I, I gotta sort of say some of the, add on to some of what Anna was saying about how important it is to just know your data and keep track of it. A lot of the artists I deal with, with CD Baby, I recommend really get to know Google Drive because I know as an indie artist, you're manager, publicist, songwriter, performer, and things can get very uh, time consuming and things might get sort of pushed to the side. Uh, data is one thing you do not want to mess up uh, because again, that's the kind of thing that puts the clog in, in getting the return or monetizing and it could really delay things and, and really uh, you could miss out on a lot of money on the table. So it's like the new credits, right? Credits were before now it's metadata. Absolutely. So I suggest as an indie artist, I know budgets are tight. Time is tight. Get to know your Google sheets. And I suggest if you are inputting in anywhere, like an application or an account, create a spreadsheet and mirror everything you put into it. So you actually have a record. You don't necessarily have to log in online. You've got it. Like you don't have to remember like how many times I've talked to artists and they're like, I, I, I know I registered with SoCan some point and they don't remember what they've put up there. So it's really easy to create a spreadsheet and create a tab, make a template, and then you just duplicate that tab every time. And the other thing that tends to happen is stuff changes. There may be new boxes to fill in at a later date. So you're always updating this template. Um, another tip that I've told to some artists is, especially if you're here in the studio and you're doing the splits right at the time, take that Google sheet and turn it into an online form so that you could just fill it out on your phone and you can put stuff into it right on the spot while you're in the studio, finishing a session and stuff like that. Um, Super important, I cannot stress, I, like with CD Baby, we're dealing with this a lot as well. Artists wondering uh, where their data is and stuff because they just don't have access to it themselves. Um, maybe filled in a few years ago. I Robert, want to say that, to <laughs> yeah, we, we have a Nick at lyricfind.com also on this thing. He's our expert at all things data oriented and moving information around. Uh, so hit him up as well, NIK, I put him in there too. Uh, but yeah, the data aspect is super important. And remember that, you know, lyrics are your original metadata, your lyrics and your notes uh, for your songs. So don't forget the, you know, why you're doing this in the first place. You've been listening to the Indie Weekly Podcast. Be sure to visit IndieWeek.com for all the information on the conferences for 2022. Screen by Screen, Music and Tech in February. Indie 101, Music and Business Education in May. 
Music Pro Summit, high-level music industry insight from professionals in September, and Indie Week brings it all together in November. Act now and get early bird pricing on an all-access pass to all four conferences presented by Indie Week. Details and much more at IndieWeek.com. Thanks for listening.